Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're hanging in there. I've got a great show this week. Grant Rudder from Grant's Brands Hollywood Talk podcast joins me to chat. The Real Housewives of New York and also Vanderpump Rules. Want to make sure I say a happy Easter and happy Passover to those of you who are celebrating Two quick recommendations for all of you. So if you're not watching, watch what happens live at home with Andy Cohen. I highly recommend it. Seeing this week's episodes just brought a smile to my face, especially Thursday's episode with Sonia Morgan, who is trapped in a spa by herself (laughs) during this quarantine. And also, if you haven't watched Saturday Night Seder, that um, was on Saturday night, April 11th, um, hashtag Saturday Night Seder. It's also, I think it has its own website. It was on YouTube to raise money for the CDC Foundation and a variety of Broadway actors and actor actors, both Jewish and non-Jewish alike, put together uh, a Seder for everyone. And it was just really, really wonderful. So highly recommend you watch and also donate to the CDC Foundation, which is, you know, nonpartisan, just trying to get personal protective equipment to those who need it who are on the front lines fighting coronavirus. After the interview with Grant, I give a quick recap and my thoughts on Summer House, which I think is one of the best shows on Bravo right now. So highly recommend you watch if you're not already Um, Not giving a recap on Atlanta this week, but we'll be back with Atlanta next week. Again, I hope you're all hanging in there and doing the best you can during these rough moments. Stay safe and watch Bravo. Hi, everyone. I am here with Grant Rudder from Grant's Brands Podcast to talk about Bravo this week. How are you doing, Grant? Hey, nice to have you. Nice oh, to, to hear from you, I mean. Uh, I'm used <laughs> to having you on my show. I know. So. <laughs> it's so fun to have you on. 
I love all of your opinions. I also saw just a few minutes ago when I was on Twitter that Deandra Simmons wants to chat again. Well, Deandra Simmons can wait because I'm sorry. I've tried to connect with her um, and I feel like I've been getting different lines and I honestly don't have anything to ask her at this point. I'm not really a fan of her show. Um, yeah. I have spoken with her mom, which was a fun interview, Mama D. So um, hilarious. So, <laughs> It's just kind of odd because, like, you know, DeAndre's like, I can't do it because of uh, Bravo publicity and um, blah, blah, blah. They won't let me do it. But you know, I had Margaret on and she was a full time housewife. So I don't know what's going on. I've opened up the door to DeAndre many times. Um, you know, sure. Let me know. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> do you think certain housewives, like, for example, Margaret, I feel like can get away with a lot because she's really well liked by the audience and by Bravo. And she doesn't seem to overstep in interviews in a way that would piss off production. I think you're right. Margaret was very careful. And I did interview her and her mom. And they they were very careful with what they said. And, and you know, they were very diplomatic in their answers. Where, you know, Deandra does have to contend with Leanne on her show, who I know has gotten them in trouble when she's been in trouble in the past. So uh, maybe they're, like, keeping a closer eye on the Dallas ladies. I don't know. Yeah. They're definitely on thinner ice than Jersey, which is a much more, like established franchise right right well let's get into new york because this is my favorite franchise of the real housewives i absolutely love the ladies of new york there are fewer people that can make me laugh the way that sonia and ramona can what do you think just general thoughts on this season well, it's off to a good start. Uh, I record a little recap, a little rundown, I should say, of the show on my same podcast feed, Grants Rants Hollywood Talk. And it's, we uh, talked about it yesterday. We feel like the second episode was just as good, if not better, than the first. Uh, we're setting a lot of stuff up. I'm fine with it. I don't miss Bethany. I don't really care. I'm happy with what I have. I'm not really looking towards the past i'm like really interested in this season and how lucky that we have it airing during this crazy time is the perfect time to have new york on it is and at first like last week when i was watching it i texted a friend and was like it makes me kind of sad to see them all in new york knowing what is happening in new york I right know. now I and know. she actually said i had the opposite reaction it makes me happy and hopeful of what's to come in the future I am on the fence with that because as someone who loves New York, oh, I, I love you know, it too. I see videos of, of what's happening now currently and just just the ma the mass exodus of people. It's just something we thought we would never witness. And you know, you see now you're flashing back to like net six nine months ago, and uh, Sonia and Tinsley and Leo were at this city wine garden, and it was just like beautiful and it was like oh i wish i was there and i even said this on my little recap little rundown and i was like oh i wish i was there even tonight even though i know it would not be the best time to be there it just like makes me want to go <laughs> i know so, i love new york so i hope much. it rebounds and it's better than ever and i'm sure it will be because there's so much at stake there's so many businesses and money involved so um we shall see but yeah i mean i'm kind of mixed i kind of feel like sad for what it once was and hopeful for what it can be you know what do you think of the newest housewife, Leah? You know, she is coming in strong, which she has to do. If she did not come in strong, she, we would have a Barbara 2.0, who I really right. like. So 
Um, I think that she was definitely a little bit coached. You know, you're going to come in, you're going to be this real gritty native New Yorker. Um, you're going to be tough. You should be crass. Don't be afraid around these women. And she's kind of following instructions if that's what she's being told, because that's what we're seeing. We're hearing her talk about all types of, you know, sex. She's throwing around the, the, the F-bombs. She's got the tattoos. Who knew that was such a cardinal I sin? I know. That was so funny. So she's got <laughs> a bunch of tattoos, including her name and her lower back, a tramp stamp. And, and by a by a bunch, it's like we know people. I'm sure we know people have probably double the amount, especially men, uh, have a lot more than she does. She's got small tattoos, she's got a few here and there, one on her back, and what you know. You might think she's walking around like trucker style. Oh no, <laughs> or like face tattoos or something. Yeah. You know, like Post Malone. You know, and to hear that Sonia, Dorinda, and Ramona are just so anti-tattoo feels odd. It just feels so antiquated. I don't like them either, but I would never judge someone for having one. That's their body. I mean, I wouldn't even vocalize it. I wouldn't even let them. If if I knew somebody had tattoos, I wouldn't say I hate them. I I just wouldn't. I mean, I'm afraid of needles and I would never get a tattoo. I am also Jewish and there's like weird tattoo stuff in our past, you know, including also with the Holocaust. I'm just not that comfortable with getting a tattoo. But that's my choice. That doesn't mean that anyone else could, you know, you want to get a tattoo, get a tattoo. Right. Especially I, I, I view it how ones. you view it, too. I'm, I'm not of Jewish descent, but I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Um, it's just not something that I would willingly want to have on my body. And there's nothing I would want. My cousin used to ask me this all the time. Like, what would you, if you had to, if you had to get something, what would you get? I'm like, nothing. I can't think of anything that I would want to carry around for the rest of my life. I know. And especially with women, like Tinsley's got that tattoo, it sounds like, um, kind of in her hip. And I think that's a kind of a cute area to have a tattoo. But if you end up getting pregnant and giving birth, that stretches. Sometimes it doesn't look as good. But, you know, who cares? And these women who I feel like allow such crazy behavior and unusual things to happen in their lives and in their friends and family's lives to judge that just felt so crazy. And it just wouldn't end. You know, they just kept commenting on it, commenting on it. I mean, the Sonia was kind of funny how she said, you know, Leah was saying that she wanted to get her tattoo removed. She's going to get it removed via laser. And, you know, Sonia was making all these jokes that like, well, if a guy is having sex with you, then, you know, he forgets your name. Well, he can just look at your tramp stamp. Like, that's funny. She means it in a funny way. But Dorinda, mm-hmm. I think, t- took it a little too far. Well, they both, even like Leah, though, in that first scene was like, yeah, people make that joke all the time. So she was used to it. But when Dorinda said it, that was a problem for her. I, I don't know. They just got off to the, uh, they got off on the wrong foot. It also didn't help that Dorinda was standing in front of Leah before they left Ramona's house with her arms crossed, looking down physically on Leah. Like, talk about not welcoming in the least. You don't even know this woman. You're having to stay under the same roof, and this woman is being ice cold to you. Um, you know, there, there's a lot going on with Dorinda, and I like her, but she's becoming harder to like. She is, but I, I feel like everyone has a season where they show kind of the grittier, not so happy parts of themselves and so I am happy that she's opening up I just wish she didn't project her frustration and anger and anxiety onto others 
That's what's yeah. harder. You know, I don't, I like her when she's upset because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not easy to lose the love of your life. And it sounds like John isn't the right partner for her, yet she won't really get rid of him. And she's not that happy. And that's okay. Like, show us that you're not happy. Be honest right. with where you are in your life. The thing is, Lou, she always seems to find someone to feud with. And the, the time that she's been on the show, every season it's someone new. We saw when she went up against um, Sonia, Ramona, and um, Tinsley last season, now into this one. And it's like she And Luann. Yeah, it's, it's true. You're right. So she does kind of like choose one person. And this whole business of not knowing Tinsley, I mean, who gives a damn? You know, I, I really, I, I'm going saying this too on my own show. Like, I mean, what what does she need to know her for? There's, she's so bent out of shape. You know, if you have to try that hard with a friendship, it's just not going to happen. It actually becomes a turnoff. It does. It reminds me a lot of on Vanderpump Rules how they're like frustrated with Kristen and Kristen's relationship. The difference is Tinsley keeps her relationship relatively private and doesn't bother these women with it when she's upset. So, like, let her get back together and break up and have this toxic relationship with Scott. Fine. It's not impacting your life. Right. Maybe, you know, there's got to be a degree of frustration that producers allow her to have a side life while they have to be so vulnerable. There has to be, you know, Tinsley called during the jealous bitch. There has to be a tinge of jealousy there that, you know, because last this this week, the the second episode that aired this week, Dorinda was saying, you know, I just want someone to come in and make it all go away. And just, you know, I just need somebody that will help me. And it's like, well, who does that sound like? It sounds like the way that Scott has treated Tinsley you know she's he's buying yes. her things over the years so it's like there's <gasps> totally. further there's more of that you know because it definitely sounds like Richard Dorinda's uh, late husband was very he treated her very well I mean sounds like he bought her everything including her father's house that he built like it sounds like he really did all those things that Dorinda's looking for and unfortunately that's no longer the case but Tinsley's got it and um it's a problem for her Also, Tinsley's independently wealthy because of her family. She doesn't need Scott. No. It's, that's what's so weird. Why do they keep saying like, oh, your dresses, these dresses are expensive. You know, when you do, when you break up with someone, your lifestyle goes from up here to down there. But she's worth $40 million, apparently. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that fact is true and real, that figure, but um, that's what I've heard. And let me tell you, I mean, I wouldn't be skimping if I had that money in the bank. Right. And I think that's a minimum. I mean, Gossip Girl was based off of her lifestyle. I forgot about that. You know, Tinsley's really got money. So for them to go after, you know, and if if she has a rich boyfriend that gives her gifts, who cares? She could still buy them herself. I don't know. I'm team Tinsley on this one. But I do feel so bad for Ramona about the flood and the Berkshires. I know it sounds obnoxious, but like... I my apartment had a fire um, back in December 2015 and going through like dealing with insurance claims and like condo insurance versus the building insurance versus who wanted to pay for stuff and how to rebuild and them finding weird electrical stuff that was wrong beforehand that they wouldn't cover. It was like nonstop and it felt like a full time job just to get my place back to being able to live in it. You know, I can't imagine having to deal with an entire house. And I don't think Dorinda has endless resources, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that did make me feel bad. But Yeah, that's a lot to take on, especially yeah. if you're not used to doing that type of work. 
Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do. I would not want to do it alone because you have to make a lot of tough calls too. Yep. It yeah. is not fun. But what is fun is the Hamptons. And I love that I think it's almost every season they go to the Hamptons to kind of commemorate the end of summer, beginning of fall. And it was so fun to see them be at Ramona's house this time. And I I had to rewind. I was laughing so hard at Ramona describing her basement as the lower level. That's just peak (laughs) Ramona. And for Luann to be so annoyed about it, I think she was watching it back because she was live tweeting. And I don't think she was that happy with how she was portrayed or at least how she acted on the show because now we're all dealing with such a difficult time and being people are being confined to these like really small apartments in New York with you know tons of people and for her to complain about that just looks extra bad right now yeah privilege is not a good look right now by by anybody yes but it you know it was it was a nice downstairs area Right. I mean, I felt, totally loved the narrative of her, like, you know, trying to turn on the TV. Like, I don't know what she was doing. Clearly, they were like, why don't you, like, look around? Or, like, you know, is it comfortable for you down here? Like, what don't you like about it? Why don't you try to watch the TV? Like, I don't know what the hell she's trying to do. But um, <laughs> I enjoyed so that moment. funny. It was so funny. And then it, she's the it, lowest on the totem pole. We're supposed to feel so bad, you know. It's just you know, and then with the fish room, and then this. It's just it's a funny narrative. It will never stop being funny. Um, and then they're all hanging out in the backyard and drinking. And Sonia with her like crazy. My chiropractor said I should only drink clear alcohol, but wine is poison. <laughs> it's like, mm. oh dear God, you know, like <laughs> where is this coming from? Um, and so, yeah, of course, then Dorinda cries to Sonia about, you know, how she's not really doing well. And I think a lot of people relate to what she was saying, like, I'm doing everything, but nothing well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing carefree about her anymore. And she's just, you know, feeling so much anxiety. And I think a lot of people relate to that. It's just she doesn't need to be an asshole because she's anxious and sad. You know, yeah, I can relate to that. I, I mentioned that um, when I heard that comment, I said, you know, this is something I can relate to. We all get caught up in things when, especially when there's so many unknowns and so many projects that you're in the middle of. It's like, uh, yeah, you can't dedicate all your attention to one thing, and you're just also just trying to get through the day as it is. Right. So I can understand. The thing is, like, she does admit to being mean to people, but then when Tinsley came around, she did not admit then. Uh, to being mean to people because Sonia tried to initiate that to try to you know I guess kind of find you know some common ground between the two of them but she still she wouldn't give Tinsley an inch she would not and then there's you know Sonia definitely stirring the pot a little like you know relaying to Dorinda all the stuff about Leah having tattoos Dorinda bringing it up then Leah saying why is Dorinda being an ass to me then Sonia going back to Dorinda and being like you know, this is what Leah was saying about you. I mean, it's just like, I couldn't tell if it was Sonia just being Sonia or if she was kind of trying to self-produce. I don't know if she can self-produce. I don't know. (laughs) That's true. That's one of the best things about her. Um, What I actually enjoyed the most about this episode was seeing Leah and Ramona actually find some common ground because I would think that Ramona would be, she's so judgy 
you know, and mm-hmm. she judges Leah and her bat terrible hat that she was wearing. I mean, it was it was not pretty, but I love that it made <laughs> such a statement, you know, and the fact that Leah brought a candle as a gift, you know, and that, you know, Ramona loves getting gifts. And then they kind of bond over both having been kicked out of their houses or being on their own from a very young age, 16 or 17. Um, you know, Leah said that her parents threw her out for drugs and alcohol and she was kind of acting out because they'd moved from New York City into Connecticut and she was pissed about that. And then they both ended up starting their businesses at a pretty young age and both worked in fashion. So I feel like it was sort of like game recognizes game. Yeah. I loved that. I was proud of Ramona. She really just let that moment play out. You know, she's always a buyer from Macy's too. There wasn't a lot of one-upmanship there. It was just like, okay, all right, I see you. Um, And I I applaud Ramona for giving Leah a a fair shot, unlike some of the other women. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, there's something about Leah where she just doesn't back down. She's not overly aggressive, but she doesn't let people walk all over her the way that Tinsley kind of does. And and I think at the end when Dorinda was like, okay, like I respect, like she's not backing down. It's it's frustrating, but I feel like a lot of new housewives always have to prove themselves to the OGs. Yeah. But once they get that approval, like they're in good. I don't think someone like Leah is going to allow herself to be hazed. So that's right. my point of view on her. Definitely. I... I appreciate her and, you know, yeah, I really yeah, I mean, like her. Yeah, I, she's I'm intrigued when she's on. I'm like, what's she going to say? It's, you know, she's mixing in well with the older women that have been on the show for a long time that we feel like we know everything about. So I was like, that I enjoy. Um, Tinsley, I, I still don't really mind her either on the show. I don't expect much from her, you know, so I think that helps. Because she could be considered rather disappointing because she doesn't give as much as someone like like a Ramona gives all these looks and <sighs> these moments <laughs> that we don't get from Tinsley. But, um, you know, I couldn't believe, though, when Ramona – she manipulated those two to clean up. Did you see that yeah. scene? She She's... was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And some people just come in and they help me out. And they're like, oh, you know, like anyone else, they look at each other like, yeah, well, we'll all right, help we'll clean help. Up and... and then she, she had the, the goal to tell them, you don't know how to entertain. It's her own house. She's so funny. When she went, so she was socializing when they all went out to dinner and she's on her phone and she's talking to all these people and, you know, she's not being present and they call her out on it. And then at the end when Sonia was like, will you kind of do a walk around and look like scout for us? And and Dorinda's like, she put on her breastplate and went to war. (laughs) It was like (laughs) into battle that I was laughing so hard. Like, we got like the last like it couldn't have been more than three seconds that so we did get the Ramona stare of her in that restaurant just hardcore like grilling the room, scoping, scoping and and the thing is I think what in order to have a like friendship with Ramona you have to accept her and her flaws and it sounds like most of like Luann and Dorinda and Sonia have yeah. all figured out how to do that. Because for so many seasons, they were so frustrated with Ramona that she wasn't empathetic or she was so self-absorbed or whatever. And it's like now they embrace that. 
Sonia did say on Watch What Happens Live that the, the over like the same night that that aired, she was like, you know, she's like that's just who she is, and that that's that's Ramona. We've we've grown to love her. As they're just so accepting of that. You're right. I mean, but I, it's amazing to me that someone like Ramona has so many friends as we're led to believe because of that. Uh, you know, I don't feel like, especially in New York, I don't think a lot of people are going to put up with that. Um, you know, to hang on that long, to be able to come to acceptance that she's an ass and we love her anyway. I mean, I don't know how you make so many damn friendships behaving like that, but. Well, I think she has a lot of like acquaintances, which is different than having deep friendships. She seems like someone who has like a lot of surface level friendships, mm-hmm. but she's happy with that. And that's fine. You know? Yeah, I guess. I'm different. I I need like total all in or nothing. I'm very loyal. You know, Italian, like I'm it's all about loyalty to me. So I don't mind having some surface friends, but you gotta have a tight group. I don't know. I guess she's happy with that. Well, she's so desperate for a man. Uh, yeah, she self-admitted. So maybe that's more important to her. It's probably more important to have a man in her life than to have good friends. I don't know. It's so I want to get your thoughts on when Sonia was making fun of Ramona saying, you know, how she has these relationships. She said, oh, it's kind of like, what can you do for me? Here's what I can do for you. And she's like, that's what they do in L.A. We're in New York. Act like a New Yorker. Is that <laughs> what you think it's like in L.A.? I think it's a th- generational thing. I wish I could just blame it on LA, uh, but I think flakiness and uh, what like doing that type of stuff is um, definitely a factor here for sure. It's all about that. I mean, I learned that really early on when networking. It was like um, people have told me like you know they'll really people only meet with you if it's something to offer them or something that will go both ways. But if you're just going to reach out to people and try to make connections. That's only going to be in favor of yourself. People aren't going to respect that. And that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it is a give and take. It's a lot of the social climbing is a real thing. Over here, it's more like network climbing. Like, you know, like you introduce, I'll introduce you to my writer friend if you introduce me to your director friend. You know, that's really I what I, my experience has been like. Yeah. But I think it's also a generational thing. Everyone's just trying to, you know, either get more followers or make more money or impress more people and know more people so they can get into clubs and go to Vegas and get hooked up and all these things. So interesting. And then wanted to get your thoughts on Luann. So Luann makes this toast to all of them. And she uses this interesting metaphor where she's like, it's like a (laughs) volcano erupted and all the ashes came out. And I was so busy taking care of myself that I didn't realize the ashes also fell on you guys. And she says she wants to make amends and she apologizes for her behavior over the last year or two. Sonia thought that it was very important that she do this. I don't. I think that, you know, we've kind of, I've had enough of the whole arrest storyline and I feel like we covered a lot of this in the reunion previously. It's while it's, it's nice of her to do, I guess that's, you know, that's totally her choice. But for me, I kind of was like, are we done with this now? I thought we moved on from this. So, but I like the metaphor because I thought it was just really ridiculous. She was being so dramatic. The the ash and dust has settled upon all <laughs> my friends. <laughs> she is so dramatic, but that's what we love about her. The difference is, 
what do you think? I mean, was that was that really necessary, or how, are we good, or do do we need more from her with this? I think it was necessary for Sonia to hear it because Sonia has always stood by her and wanted it, like finally wanted some acknowledgement, like, "Hey, you didn't treat me that well over the last few years." But it's interesting. That's fair. That yeah, I, I agree with you on that. What I find interesting is it feels like all of them have accepted Ramona for who she is and don't try and change her. But I still think they don't fully accept Lou for for who she is, which is also entitled and sort of self-absorbed. Oh, very much so. It's all about her. It's all about her. I can't believe I think we may have gotten through a full episode without having to hear about the cabaret. <laughs> Did we? Is that was the second episode free? I think it was, and <laughs> I was rewatching um, the other day. They had all of the New York episodes on from season three. They had all of season three, including Scary Island, and even then, she's working with this director producer to get her song out. You know, money can't buy you class, and that was all the way back in season three, and we're on season twelve. Like she's yeah. not letting this go. I remember that because I recently watched those episodes and I put it on Instagram because she's there. She's got the headphones on and she's singing how elegance is learned. And it is just singing is not what she's doing. I I, I don't know what is happening there, but um, it is so funny to watch because, yeah, I mean, even back then she's there. She's she's bragging. Oh, he he does music for Michael Jackson or Janet Jackson or all the big names. Same thing she's doing with this cabaret Oh, with with the director. Oh, he's done one man shows. He's worked with the best of the best. She's still so impressed with herself, you know? Yeah. It's so funny. Her never change. Her singing reminds me of Tom Sandoval and the trumpet. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, just like, but she goes all in, you know? I don't think Tom Sandoval expects people to respect his trumpet skills the way that Luann expects people to fall at her feet over the... Right, like when, when Barbara told her, like, you're not Adele, Luann. Like, that was her moment to be like, look, I get it. But I enjoy what I do. No, she didn't say she that. Did. You know? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, it's fun. I went to the cabaret. Have you been to her cabaret? I have, yes, two times when it first came out, and then more, a little bit more recently with when it was a little more when she was playing the bongos. Yes, I saw that one. It's yes. so, I think I wish I had seen it when it first came out because she seemed to be having just so much fun with it and it seemed to be a little more intimate those first few shows especially out in LA and in New York and then when it got bigger it felt a little more produced a little less um fun you know I mean more of a cabaret in the beginning where it was like they had more guests like local artists that would come in and sing now it's very much almost like a stage show it's there's not that much uh you don't see her that much you didn't see her at all in the first one I mean she would disappear for 20-25 minutes for a dress change now it's a little bit more like she'll actually sit there and they'll serenade her like she's a little more stage time which I mean, you might as well. That's what people are going to see. But right. did, did you see that there's like a whole sizzle reel in the middle of her show about all of her, like her best TV moments? Yes, that was pretty funny because that was sort <laughs> oh. of like me and everyone who was around us. We were all bonding over loving Roni, you know, and and that was what was the most fun of going to her show was being around yeah, so many yeah. like minded people. 
Right, right. I just thought it was a little much to have, like, you're the best of Lou. I mean, it's not like she's, like, Lucille Ball who's put in hundreds of hours of entertainment. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay. I mean, so you're singing Money, is, Money Can't Buy a Class in 2008 and then again in 2011. <laughs> like, okay. One thing um, I'm waiting for this season, which I think will happen because we've seen from previews, so right now, both Luann and Leah are ordering mocktails, which props to them, especially Leah, for like staying sober for nine years. It sounds like she drinks a little bit now, but not that much. I think they're, it's going to get wild later this season. It looks like she's already breaking her no drink rule, this Leah, because she's having a glass of wine. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be interesting yeah. to see. You know, yeah, it's gonna get good. I know it will. I just, I know it. At the end of the day, I'll be entertained. I don't need to have fights of the week. I really don't. I'm just curious, even just to see Dorinda sit down at that table, which was very real in my opinion. And she just told Sonia, like, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm just completely overwhelmed by all this. And we didn't need to have, you know, scripted shade like we see with on Atlanta so often. We didn't have to see someone confront somebody. It was just her on a in the back yard and Hampton's house just being overwhelmed which I think is so relatable and I get it I get it too especially I think it really resonated with a lot of people this week because there's so many people who are at home with their children they're trying to homeschool their children they're trying to work or they're out of work you know they're trying to be everything to everyone doing everything but succeeding at nothing doing none of it well so I felt like you know that was extra relatable this week who knew when they shot that all those months ago but it's true it's true you know Um, and that's what makes these women so they're just so themselves and it's fun to watch them and they're entertaining in a way that so few franchises are because i think they genuinely enjoy each other's company and find things to laugh about together And I really just like even reflect on her being overwhelmed. It was like, and I thought of where I was a couple months ago, which is like probably in a very similar space. Like it's just relatable to me. I I think for me as a viewer, I would be feel a little bit more um, relatability to the people I see on my TV versus just seeing like people fighting. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of Bravo pushing the envelope of like, we don't want anyone physical fighting, but the highlight of the season is going to be when someone knocks somebody out or pushes yeah. someone. It's like, you know, I just thought Bravo shows were better than that. So when I do see moments like that, that are real, and it's just literally what is going on in Dorinda's life. It's not what's going on on the show, or she's upset that Ramona said something about her to a friend of the angel ball. It's it's <laughs> literally she's upset because of her own stuff happening, her own circumstances in her own life. And like, that's what reality TV should be about. So 100% agree. Now, you probably don't feel the same way about Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> well, I watched just for this podcast. I watched for you. So I'm, you. I'm ready, willing, and able to discuss. It's it's hard because Vanderpump Rules has always been my favorite Bravo show. I really loved, especially those first few seasons where, you know, they don't quite realize they're being filmed and don't really know if anyone's going to watch And so they're really just behaving crazy because that's who they are. And now they know how many people are watching and it seems a little more calculated, a little more scripted, a little less natural, and it's not as enjoyable. 
and and they have they yeah. have to maintain a presence on that show because they have these all these side hustles and side businesses. So someone like Lala with her makeup line and her you know big fame that she's acquired to the show. I mean, like she has to be really aggressive and uh, forward to be able to maintain that position on the show. So it almost forces them to produce themselves and be fake, uh, which I don't enjoy. And I'm, I'm side note, I'm just very disappointed in Lala. I no longer am a fan of hers. She's just a big bully on TV. I don't need to see that. And she seems to, I usually, I mean, I could be wrong, but like I'm someone who lost a parent and I find when people lose a parent or lose someone very close to them, that it does bring you kind of back to reality. You're more empathetic to other people. You're more thoughtful because, you know, you never know what someone's going through. And she seems to get so defensive about like people were only supposed to treat her a certain way after her dad died. And anyone who didn't kiss her ass is like an enemy. And any if you look back at how Raquel behaved toward Lala, I, I understand that Lala was not in a good mental space and I don't fault her for how she was frustrated and reacted. But a year later to not be able to step back and say, well, I was behaving this way because I was acting out because I was upset that my dad died and it was a lot easier to take it out on Raquel than it was to actually process my feelings, mm-hmm. you know, and for her to then also put Ariana in that category, Ariana lost her dad also and told her, you know, that's not an excuse to be a dick to people. And she's frustrated that Ariana was honest and blunt with her. Just the way that she is towards, you know, people like Sheena. She gives them tough love. But when people give her tough love, it's like, girl, if you dish it, you better be able to take it. Yeah. She's playing a character to me on TV. She's playing this like pit bull character that she wants to be. And it's just not entertaining in the least anymore. I liked her in the beginning, but she's not the same person. She like really has taken this upon herself to be to really inflate her ego and yeah it's it's unfortunate it is another thing that i find unfortunate is i have turned on tom schwartz i really i thought you i thought you loved him surprised well i love tom sandoval Okay. Tom Sandoval is the one I, I don't. The most. Yeah. I like. I mean, yeah. I think he's definitely the smarter of the two. I like him as well. He's he's so goofy. He's someone who I would be friends with because he has so many unusual hobbies, and I love people like that, you know. But Schwartz, two things he did this episode that pissed me off royally. The first, when they're in the Venice skate park and they're not wearing helmets, I'm like, God damn it. How old do you need to be before you realize that doing something like this without a helmet is just stupid and you don't look cool skateboarding at age whatever they are, period, but you look especially dumb not having a helmet. Like, I... I didn't even think about that. uh, That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, you idiot. Like, anyway, moving on from that, I was livid at when he was talking to Katie and after he erupted at her last week and was so rude to her, you're such a turnoff because Katie didn't like the prank about the police arresting Sandoval given police brutality and all these things going on with the police in current society. And he has the nerve, number one, not to look her in the eye when he's apologizing and then telling her, don't be a social justice warrior. 
fuck you. Are you kidding me? Because she has the audacity to bring up something that's actually happening in society that's a real thing. Granted, none of the cast are minorities, so it's a little bit different. <laughs> but, yep. but like police brutality is a real thing and joking about being arrested is maybe not funny to some people, and that's okay. It's also I'm yeah. So glad that somebody was offended by that in a way. And I think, you know, throwing around that word is being offended is it's like, you know, people will find anything to be offended at. But I was glad that not everyone thought it was hilarious that right. they staged a, a uh, arrest and had two police officers walked through their house in uniform. I mean, I'm glad that somebody was like, and I actually, like, that was the one moment that I was like, um, on Katie's side for something in a long time, where I was like, you know what, she's right to feel a certain way. Yeah. I don't blame her. I don't blame her. And, and to be so mad at her for like, I mean, the only reason I could think of is Tom Sandoval is in a, I mean, Tom Schwartz is in a rough position with Sandoval and Jack's fighting and not getting along and he's both their best friends and I bet he's in a he was like seen this prank seen Sandoval react well to it you know being like oh you got me you know and thinking oh maybe they'll all make up and it, my life will be easier that's yeah. the only and then Katie's ruining this moment where everyone's having a laugh that's the only explanation uh, I can think of I, I, can, I understand what you're saying yeah that could be his like in his elementary way of thinking like Very let me just elementary. get everyone to laugh again let me just get everyone to have a joke and we'll be fine right yeah and <laughs> then when it became a thing with katie being upset he was frustrated at her for ruining that moment yeah that but makes sense to me I, that's the only thing i spent a lot of time thinking about this i was like why did he react so poorly you know but I was just the 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 term social justice warrior is so obnoxious. It's like who are you, Joe Rogan? You know, are you sitting around like on 4chan and like a men's rights activist? Like what's wrong with you? Sorry. Yeah. I freaking I was so mad and I I mean, I've met Schwartz in person. He was so charming and kind. He's from Minnesota originally. That's where I'm from. You know, I love watching him interact with his brothers. You know, I love his friendship with Sandoval, but this, ooh, it made me turn. <laughs> well, hopefully he will clean up his act a little bit because, like, I know that you, again, you like you like the guys, hopefully, like, he'll clean, you know, you'll feel different as the season progresses. Maybe he'll sing a different tune at this reunion. There's a lot to discuss at this reunion already, I'm just There's thinking. so much. And you, I really hope that the card reader will really pay attention to the two new guys and really grill hit them on those statements they made on Twitter. And I don't want a, a Bravo pre-approved red statement. I mean, those guys need to really be genuine because they've really ruined the season, in my opinion. I think so, too. I'm, I'm not interested in hearing from them uh, when they're on screen. I don't find them to be funny. Uh, I don't find them to be, you know, attractive. Just knowing what I know about them as far as like they're supposed to be the two new, you know, guys, the new Jacks recasts who are going to be on just fooling around. And it's I'm not invested. And I still can't tell them apart, which I know, <laughs> I know. sounds so ignorant. <laughs> I mean, like, usually it's not like all people look the same, but I mean, I just, I, I think I'm just so not invested in either of them that I'm just not taking the time, but they really, I mean, they have the same coloring, basically it's a similar haircut. They're both, one of them works at Tom Tom, the other one doesn't. I, I don't even know. And I've watched the show. I've watched every episode. I know. I know. I, I feel the same way. It just got off to a bad start. I feel like it, it also 
I mean, Brett was not living in L.A. before shooting this. And he's the one. So Dana was dating Max, who's the manager at TomTom. They break up. And now in this episode, she has this birthday party and her and Brett kiss. And her and Brett go on to get lunch and a date, whatever. It's hard to be invested in it. Now, Brett, I've looked into him. He dated a famous beauty blogger slash YouTuber named Carly. Is it Bible or Bib? I don't know. So. Yeah. He has this YouTube channel now, but I think that's just because he became famous for being her plus one for so many years. Mm. And I'm wondering if Bravo producers or Evolution or whoever was like, oh, we need a younger audience because the people who've been watching Vanderpump Rules are growing up. Maybe they're not as invested anymore. Maybe they have their own families, whatever. Let's try and like get some new young blood and oh, let's find this YouTube guy who's well known because Carly, his ex, had a lot of followers. I don't know. I'm sure of it. Yeah. No, you know? I'm sure of it. Yeah. It's just that, that's what makes the biggest difference. I know plenty of working actors and they have to submit their follower accounts sometimes before they get seen in the room it's like what's your collective following and that's the number they have to lead with so of course if you have someone like him who has this built-in following it's going to give him a leg up over anybody else even someone who actually has been a manager at tom tom since the day it opened if they've got like 231 twitter followers and they've got this other guy flying in from new york with you know let's just say two million collective followers well they're going to give it the, they're going to give the job to him so totally. that's the world that we live in. Yeah. I did appreciate Dana calling Brett out because they go on this lunch date and she says, like, it sounds like you look for depth in people, but you very much like the YouTuber slash Instagram model. And yeah, call him out for it. You know, he's saying he wants one thing and then he's doing another. But I view him as like an airbrushed sort of YouTuber guy with no depth. That's what I see from him. He has no character, no depth. He seems to be, he says whatever the producers want him to. He doesn't seem genuine. At least Max, like, Max seems angry. I don't know why he's so angry all the time, but at least that's like a emotion that I am I'm, I'm getting nothing from Brett. I'm actually looking him up just to make sure I'm talking about the right one. This is so bad because <laughs> I do watch the show. There's one that has like a Pauly D haircut from the East Coast. This is the one. That, okay, yes, yes. Wait, that's Brett. Brett. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm I'm done with both of them. I'm yeah. curious to know what they're going to do. I'm sure that they will do absolutely nothing with these two, and that they will remain full time and rewarded and uh, front and center. That's my that's my guess. Um, yeah. Instead of putting on, if we're going to be casting, if we're going to be casting off of YouTube and Instagram, uh, they should really be putting on someone of color on the show. Um, Yes, and someone who's LGBTQ, like not just Ariana and Dana who are like choosing to date men, but let's (laughs) have, you know, I mean, not, not taking away the fact they're bisexual, but we're not seeing any queer relationships on the show. Right. And I mean, let me tell you, these restaurants are directly next. One of them is next to the Abbey. I mean, it's it's such a collective group of people. Uh, I I mean, there's the fact that they can't find anyone that they could put out of all the restaurants she owns that is identifies as openly gay is ridiculous. Um, I just don't know how you can call yourself an advocate and be how many seasons are we in? Ten? Eight. 
hates. I mean, you know, that's why you, everyone knows I have a lot of problems with her. But I'm not going to get into that. Into but LVP. That's how yeah. I feel. That's I am, how I feel. I mean, come on. Now, I'm annoyed you know. watching like the scenes where like she's talking to Danica about mismanaging the restaurant. Like I'm not. We don't need the restaurant anymore. The show has evolved beyond the restaurants. So either you have an OG cast where you actually see them grow up. You know, because right now we're seeing we're getting like half of of one right. show and half of another. And we're seeing them, you know, get these houses and maybe start families. It's like, well, then let that be a show. Don't try and force them to keep acting a certain way if they're like not. having Brittany going back to work at doing a shift. Oh, that was the most annoying. I literally I was like, ah, I can't take I this. I was actually glad that we got a break from her and Jax for the first time Finally. ever. We really did not see much of them, but we did have to get that. I call them the shoehorning scenes, so they have to shoehorn either Lisa or the older cast into Sir. Somehow they're like, do you, like anybody, anyone can we shoot a scene? They have to shoot even a scene at Villa Blanca. They haven't seen a guest in Villa Blanca since the early 2000s. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. They shot over there. They'll do anything to like insert these people into these restaurant background landscapes, you know. Well, let's Ugh. talk about that scene in Villa Blanca. It's Katie, Stasi, and Kristen. And of course, they have this scene where Lisa comes up and drops a mention of a wedding in Vegas, or at least Vegas. And then Kristen realizes there's something she's not in on. Um, and so I guess Katie and Tom Schwartz are going to get married in Vegas because they didn't have their proper paperwork done the first time they were married. Whatever. But then we see Stasi be pulled away and sit down with LVP. And I feel like LVP was annoyed with Stasi for so many seasons, but now views her as like a protege. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just interesting to watch. And I don't think that Stasi is that warm towards LVP, but respects her and wants to be viewed as this businesswoman. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, a, it's clearly a scene just for cameras. Yeah. That's how I viewed it. It was just sad when Kristen then asked Sheena about Vegas and Sheena's like, hey, they're doing a second wedding. It's like not that big of a deal. You know, I'm not going. But Kristen just can't get over it. And she confronts Katie. And I mean, that was really a tough scene to see them at Dana's party talking because Katie was so unemotional and Kristen was so emotional. That's like hard not to feel for Kristen. But it just makes me think that she, I don't know, Katie's not someone that seems to respond well to like displays of emotion, right? She responds Mm -hmm. more to facts, to like maybe a calmer statement. Her and Lala seem to get over their differences when Lala just flat out was like, hey, I didn't appreciate you behaving this way towards me. So all Kristen really has to do is instead of break down and cry, say, hey, I'm like this really bummed out that you're doing this and I don't get to be there for it. I really want to rebuild our friendship. Like, tell me how we can move forward. And that's right. okay if we take some time, if we take a few months, if I, you know, if you don't want me there, that's fine. But like, I, I do want to get through this. That's such a smart way to view it. Kristen really could benefit from a therapist because I think they would give <laughs> a very similar answer. It's just a very grounding, uh, honest, 
uh, emotional approach to a situation that you're clearly hurt in and um, with hopes of a resolution. You know, I, I like that idea. I don't know if she has the emotional intelligence to I, get there. I don't think she does. It's like all she wants to do is convey how she's feeling all the time as opposed to how do we solve a problem. Right. I think you hit it on the head. Yeah. And I think that's why Stasi and Katie are so exhausted by her because they've listened for years to her talking about problems and her feelings over and over and over, but yet she's not solving any problems. And I think that's exhausting. And she seems to expect a lot of them. She expects her friends to listen to her feelings all the time and to continuously validate her feelings. It's, I think you're right. You know, and then yeah. she doesn't seem to have as high expectations for Sheena and Ariana. And yet they've been kind of validating her more, listening to her more. Because, right, right. And, and the lower expectations you have of someone, usually the better you get along. If you have really high expectations of someone, they're never going to meet them. It's like she said, she called both Stasi and Katie her sisters. I mean, she she expects a lot. She does. You know? Yeah. I, I like that Sheena was there for her in that phone call. Um, Sheena is so underrated. She is opinion, justice for Shishi. <laughs> uh, I love her. And you know what? She's the most relatable one. When she was at the end of this episode and she said, I never thought I'd be where I am in my life at 34 years old. Do you know how relatable that is to people? It's the most relatable thing I've ever seen on TV. Yep. Who would have thought? Sheena Shea. And they keep throwing the crop top thing in her face. And like, it's so easy to just hate on her, but I don't have any respect for it. I am a fan of Sheena. I can relate to her. I, I think for the majority of us, I can tell you for my friends, I don't think any of us thought we would be where we are right now. So, yeah. And she also is someone who can acknowledge when she makes mistakes in a way that so few people on reality can like, she was on Danny Pellegrino's podcast a few weeks ago, and she got a lot of hate for her extremely ignorant comments about the coronavirus and how she wasn't going to stay inside. And do you know how hard it is to be with nobody for this many days? And, you know, it's kind of like, yes, we all like you clearly don't understand the point of social distancing right now or like how bad this is. And she all talked right. about how she's like, I don't watch the news. I don't watch it. It makes me feel bad. I'm like, okay, well, fine. You know, at least you know you're ignorant. And then she's like, and I didn't realize how serious it was. And that was stupid of me to say. And I'm really sorry. And clearly I'm taking it seriously now. Like, I have no problem saying that I made a mistake. I, I clearly shouldn't have said those things. And it's like, how often is someone on these shows ever acknowledging that they've made a mistake? Ever. Right. But yet Never. still being authentic to yeah. who she is and not being like, oh, I'm going to start watching the news and like reading The Economist. <laughs> right, right. She didn't have to blame anybody. Yeah, no. She just said, no, I just don't watch it. Yeah, I mean, you know, she'll pay for that, I'm sure. But like, let's hope that like they don't really have to cover that at the reunion, her response to the coronavirus, because we need to be grilling these two guys. Yeah, They need to be covering that. Um, I'm just so afraid they're going to give them a scripted like – you know, Bravo approved release. Like I do not condone any, uh, you know, racist terms, nor do I practice it in my everyday life and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, no, I want to see some contrition. I, I do too. And I feel like they have to explain why what they said was so bad. And it wasn't just the racist stuff. I mean, that was the worst of it, but like the misogyny. And I looked back in Brett's comments, like he was only like 18 or 19 and he made so many references to cocaine 
I was like, are you just this guy who's just going, doing lines, partying, drinking, and making like really inappropriate comments towards women? And how has your view towards women changed? Right. You know? It's weird. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I don't believe they've made an appearance on Watch What Happens Live yet, have they? No, they have not. So they've been banned from that. Um, interesting. Because I feel like in a way, like that would be a good way to get ahead of it. Right, to actually open up. Yeah, that must suck for the booking department on that show because they're two new guys. I mean, you know, they had Dana on and she had all the fake hair and, you know, it was like two new people that they could, Bravo can, you know, showcase finally after the same people for all these years. Uh, But they can't, I guess there's some embargo on them, which I I completely understand. But maybe that's a a way for them to kind of clear the air. So viewers like us who really don't enjoy seeing them in scenes can maybe say like, all right, these guys at least have acknowledged it. Um, Right. But Bravo doesn't want to like pay any more attention to it than they already have. And I feel like these guys have not gone through proper media training. (laughs) You know, like it's all stuff in the past, unfortunately, that, you know, even the best training, I mean, they'll find this and they'll use this against them. But in their statements, they didn't seem to like fully process like they were more angry that Uh, they were caught than like acknowledge, like hating it. Like you get ahead of the story. You say what you did was wrong, you know, instead of just locking down your Twitter account. Well, if I had to predict, I think one of them will probably be gone and they'll probably keep the other one on a more limited basis. Yeah, it's I don't know. I do like Dana, though. And I really liked the scene with her, Lala and Ariana hanging out at Ariana's pool in the backyard. I felt like that was a group of women that seemed to actually get along and enjoy each other. And it didn't feel as fake, you know? Yeah. And I, I like Ariana. So I, didn't oh, I love Ariana. I love her. Um, what else happened this episode? Oh, just the last thing about Dana. So I really appreciate her talking about her mom and how they have the same birthday. And so while she celebrates her birthday, it's also bittersweet because it was her mom's birthday and her mom is no longer with us. So I appreciate it. I don't know. I feel like she's really honest about grief in a way that Ariana was never able to be because I don't think the producers wanted to show it. But then after so many of the people on the cast lost parents, it kind of became something that like was talked about more. So I appreciate Dana. I do like her. I feel like she fits naturally into the group the way that the others don't. Charlie with her sister, sister, Tia and Tamara, (laughs) like boobs, Whatever she, I, uh, they'll, they'll, she... <laughs> they'll keep her for a long time because she's got good one-liners. She does. Yeah, she's gonna last for a while. I don't really mind her either way. She's fine. She's not driving story. She appears at the parties, which I mean, how many more birthday parties are we gonna have this season? They all are <sighs> born within two months of each other. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm done with the birthdays. I mean, there's nothing else to celebrate. It goes from one party to the next. It's it's interesting. Do you have any thoughts or views on where Vanderpump should go from here? Like the show? I think they're going to continue to do the same thing until they can establish a younger cast. <sighs> That's what I think. I don't know anything. But I do but... like the OGs. I would like seeing them doing adult things. It doesn't have to be called Vanderpump Rules anymore. Or maybe they get a new younger show about people working at sir and call that something else 
But oh, I'm sure Lisa would love that. Another show on Bravo should be all over it. You know, like I'm tired of watching Lisa interact with, you know, these established individuals who have millions of dollars now and shouldn't have to kiss her ass and aren't that connected to her other than the fact that she is the executive producer on a TV show that they're on. Like she's only truly connected to the Toms through Tom Tom. But she doesn't need to be connected to Stassi. She doesn't need to be connected to Jackson, Brittany. Is she really a mentor to them? You know, I, yeah. I, I don't mind seeing them get married. People like, you know, have kids I, I, grow up. I, I think that is the total consensus of the audience. I think people feel the same way we do. Just what you said about she's not really connected to them. They don't work there anymore. They've moved on. They found success of, on their own. The everyone can see through, like I said, the shoehorning of, of having her to come in to question Stasi about her engagement. I mean, I don't believe they have the relationship where they would even be talking about that. Right. You know, they're not girlfriends. It's just it's weird. Um, I think a lot of people feel the same way and we have to stop pretending like, again, I thought they were doing a good job with the beginning of the season. They said like they named off a whole list of names of people who no longer work at Sir. And I was like, well, that's good. They acknowledged it. They're no longer there. You know, everyone's out. Now we had to go and look at Brittany picking up shifts. Ariana's gonna wants to pick up shifts because she's bored and needs something to do. I mean, it, I don't buy it, man. <laughs> I don't buy it either. Come it's, on, it's annoying. But you already established that they were done and moved on. Why are we going backwards? <sighs> I don't know. It, Lisa's grip on the show, I feel like, is killing it because I like seeing mm-hmm. them. I don't mind seeing them being boring on the couch. I'm invested in these characters. I'm invested in their real lives. If their real lives are getting more boring, I'm fine with that. My life is boring too. <laughs> they're still more interesting because they're crazy. Like, <laughs> you know? Well, there's always a birthday party to film, so. I know. Well, wanted to get your final thoughts on Bo because he really has been shining on the show. He, I don't know if it's his background in casting. He just seems to know what to do and what to say. If he's just really that charming. I loved his monologue about how he wanted to marry Stassi. She's the most important person in her life, how they laugh together. She's beautiful, funny, charming. They have the same humor and that, you know, how he's just wants to get married and have children with her and just eat mac and cheese. Well, she's definitely the most important person in her life, as you as you slipped by accident saying, but it's true. She's definitely the most important person in her own life. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he see like to me, I don't find him to be very attractive, uh, but I think he seems like a very nice guy, and he definitely makes her happy. Um, I don't. I'm glad that in a way, I don't know now because the whole world is upside down. But it didn't look like we were gonna have to see their wedding televised, which I was. Glad about. We've had enough weddings. Right. There was a Variety article that came out. It said no more weddings. Uh, it was eight different uh, things that they could fix on the show. It was yeah, fantastic. Fantastic read. Uh, definitely don't need any more weddings swallowing up these shows because that really is annoying to watch. But um, it'll be nice to see the proposal. That's enough. That's all I would need to see. I, I like how he seems like a good guy. You know, she seems very, very happy with him. I'm glad she found her match. It's not aesthetically who I think that she would go for. But, I mean, who am I to judge? I appreciate it. It feels really real. And, um, yeah, I appreciate that. I don't think she would have gone for him either. But she clearly learned from her past relationships that weren't great and was like, okay, I'll give it a shot with this guy. Let's see. And... 
Any final thoughts on this season or anything else related to Bravo? Uh, I didn't like the cakes, the cake throwing and all that. That Oh, in everyone's faces. That was pretty like, funny to see Charlie like ran out of there. Yeah, yeah. And Sheena too. She's like, I'm not doing this. Um, yeah, no, Sheena for the win for Vanderpump Rules. Sheena is very underrated. I don't think I appreciated her as much until the last few seasons. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I she don't was know. kind of putting something on a about front. that girl. Oh, you know? definitely. There's something about that girl, though, that I just connect with. I don't know why. If I had to go to lunch with any of them, I think it would be her. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, I like that question. Or Tom, uh, I don't know if I could get him to say anything, but Tom Sandoval, just because he has Lisa Vanderpump's number, he knows who he's dealing with. Right. And she's pushed him around and pushed him around. So I, I'd be curious to get a few drinks at him and ask him a few questions about what that yeah, situation is. The real scoop on that um, relationship with the restaurant and how much does he really have in the day-to-day influence over, you know, things like that. Things like that. Totally agree. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, well, if you want to hear more ranting, I talk about reality TV, pop culture, a little bit of page six gossip on Grant's Rants Hollywood Talk podcast. And um, if you want to follow me, I'm at It's Grant's Rants on Instagram and Twitter. And I put up a lot of Insta stories, just my thoughts on things, my little day-to-day rant. So people seem to enjoy it. If you are interested in looking for another podcast to listen to or someone to follow, check me out. Awesome. And you are so funny. I love I love your rants, especially on uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and look forward to hearing your thoughts when uh, the season premiere starts next week. Oh, well, I can't say I'll be watching, but I'm sure I'll be hearing a lot and I'll, have, I'll still stir up. Wait, you won't watch now that Lisa's off completely? I won't watch because I don't enjoy the show. I really don't. Okay. That's another whole thing. But I'm sure through osmosis, watch what happens live. Yeah. Uh, the Bravo world, the meme accounts. I'm sure I'll know everything that's going on, whether I want to or not. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping for a revival of Beverly Hills because I hadn't enjoyed it for a few seasons. Yeah, that's that's the main reason why I'm giving up. I just haven't been entertained or enjoyed it. And it's just it, it's time for me to take a break. But I don't yeah. know. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on, Grant, and we will have to do this again. Yes, I like that. Thank you very much. I am back with some thoughts on this week's Summer House. I am really enjoying this season. I just find it so funny. They are so messy and so fun to kind of watch. It's definitely an escape from what's happening right now. Now, this episode starts off with Carl still yelling at Jules and Jordan, telling him, telling both of them that he doesn't want them in the house. And we know Carl is just acting out because Sarah, the Barry's boot camp instructor, didn't end up coming out to see him in the Hamptons. And he feels rejected, and he's drinking, and he's acting very poorly. So Jordan can tell when he is not wanted, and he ends up just leaving. And I think that's a good thing. Let Jules kind of find her way with this group of people. So Amanda and Paige are consoling Jules, who's just hysterically crying. She's not sure what she's done to make people not like her. No one's really being upfront and honest with her. She definitely hasn't told anyone, hey, pick me or Jordan. She's not trying to create any problems. And 
Hannah, who invited Jules to be part of the summer house, seems to be siding with Jordan because she was friends with Jordan first. And Amanda kind of lets that slip to Jules that, hey, kind of, you know, Hannah thinks you haven't connected with anyone, that kind of a thing. So Jules, you know, good for her. She ends up pulling it together and is like, all right, I'm not going to let this ruin my night. She ends up hanging out with Craig from Southern Charm and they go home together. You know what? Good for Jules. Like if this were me, if I was that upset, I probably wouldn't end up going out. I don't know if I could shake off, you know, the fact that I thought all of my friends hated me. And she just gets it together, looks really cute and hooks up with Craig. Like what a step up from Jordan. My God. So Jules, um, the next day, comes back to the house and, like an adult, she confronts Hannah um, and she kind of starts crying and is like, I don't know what I did to make everyone hate me. And Hannah obviously feels bad, but she seems more frustrated at Paige and Amanda for throwing her under the bus by telling Jules how she feels about Jules rather than just taking ownership for being a crappy person to Jules. So they end up having this group meeting, which just is so uncomfortable. Like the whole house gets together. They all talk about how Jules hasn't fit in or something like that, and they all agree to give Jules another chance. Now, I can only judge based off of what we've seen on the show, but it doesn't seem like Jules has done anything egregious to the group of people in the house. They just don't seem to like her that much. Maybe she's trying a little too hard. I don't really know. Now, offline, it sounds like, you know, Hannah has said on this week on Watch What Happens Live that Jules had said a few things to rub people the wrong way. But we haven't seen that in the show. So it's kind of hard to, you know, judge Jules for things that we haven't seen. Overall, I think they were just being total mean girls, bullies, not very nice to Jules, who I think is a little awkward, but seems to be a nice person, definitely seems to want to have fun. So I know I thought it was kind of rude that they all like agreed to have us give her a second chance. Like, shouldn't she agree to give them another chance too? the whole thing just pissed me off. So Lindsay never one to shy away from drama, tries to meddle between Hannah, Paige, and Amanda's friendship. She sees that Hannah is a little frustrated that Paige and Amanda, you know, told Jules what Hannah had said about her and sees an opportunity to meddle and create some drama. Meanwhile, Paige has dinner with her parents and they talk about how she's not ready to move in with her boyfriend, Perry, and that this summer she's feeling a little closer to Amanda even than Hannah because they stay in certain nights and hang out together and watch TV and, you know, get a little bit more sleep. And Hannah, who had done that last year, is now going out because Luke is going out and she's chasing Luke. So... It's interesting. There was a podcast that Hannah was on. I think it was maybe Danny Pellegrino well over a year ago where she had said something like the reason that she doesn't go out all the time is because she was one of the only cast members that didn't do drugs, including Adderall. And so she couldn't just stay awake for hours and hours and hours that she actually had to rest. And now I'm like, well, what are you doing going out until two, three in the morning every night? getting up a few hours later and starting all over again. I don't know. 
just interesting. So maybe, you know, Amanda and Paige need a little bit of a breather and a little bit of time away from the craziness. And, you know, I don't judge them for staying in. Anyway, we find out that Luke has ended things with Yelena and but he said to kind of the camera that he's still not over his ex, the one that he was ready to propose to, and that he thinks about his ex every day and doesn't want to hurt Hannah, so he's taking things slowly. But, you know, Hannah hears that Elaine is no longer in the picture, and is like, wow, this is an opening for me. Paige is worried about Luke's intentions with Hannah. She definitely can see that Hannah is somewhat manipulated by Luke. And granted, I think Hannah needs to figure it out on her own and Paige should kind of mind her own business. But this is a show about their lives and Paige is just being honest. Well, Lindsay definitely sees an opening here and she wants Hannah to stand up to Paige and Amanda more to kind of tell them what She's really thinking to not judge her for, you know, going after Luke. That whole thing is interesting. They all go out to dinner and Carl seems to be very drunk and kind of out of sorts. And at this dinner, I mean, he's frustrated about the chair that he's sitting in because it makes him look too low to the ground. So Lindsay switches chairs with him. It was so bizarre. We find out that Carl has been messing up at his job, which is working for Loverboy, the company that Kyle and Amanda have started together, and that Carl Uh, is supposed to meet, he reports to the COO, not to Kyle, so that they can maintain their friendship. Well, apparently Carl was too hungover or whatever and missed a meeting with the COO. And, you know, this seems to be year after year since we saw Carl, I think on what was it, season two, maybe one, I don't know, with the Workus sisters. He's always kind of messing up, losing his job, blaming it on everyone else, drinking to a oblivion and getting mean. I have no idea what all these women see in Carl. He doesn't even seem to be a nice friend. So it's hard for me to watch him on TV, honestly. So at this dinner, Amanda announces that she's leaving her job to be at Loverboy full time, which I don't think is very smart. I don't think it's good for couples to be in business together unless their relationship is super, super solid. And I don't know if the foundation of Amanda and Kyle's relationship is solid enough for them to be working together, you know? So we'll see how that that turns out. So it's Lindsay's birthday. The new guy that she's seen, Stephen, he comes out to uh, the... The house for the weekend and she has a murder mystery kind of party and they dress up like the 1920s flappers um the costumes are pretty great but you know we've seen it all before and you know I think it'll be really interesting to see how this party turns out. I think there's a lot of drama next week. Lindsay definitely is trying to like insert herself in between Hannah and Paige and Amanda. I don't think, uh, I think Paige can see it and doesn't ever want to have a wedge between her and Hannah. And so I don't see them all falling for it, but it'll be interesting to watch. Hope you guys all have a great week. Take care, watch Bravo, stay safe, and I will be... See you next week.
this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price Tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.